Throughout history, stories have captured our attention. There are stories that spark laughter, stories that bring us to tears, stories that inspire us, and some that lead to fear. But the best stories, the stories that change us, are the ones that teach truth, eternal truth. passages of scripture this morning Luke chapter 11 and Luke chapter 18 we're going to be looking at two of the stories that Jesus told this morning we want to begin with the passage in Luke chapter 11 if you don't have a Bible with you that's okay you can follow along with us on the screen listen to what it says beginning in Luke 11 verse 1 once Jesus was in a certain place praying as he finished one of his disciples came to him and said Lord Teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need and forgive our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. Then teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight, wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit, and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me, the door is locked for the night, my family and I are all in bed, I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks the door will be open. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you? You give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And then in chapter 18, beginning in verse 1, one day Jesus told his disciples a story to show them they should always pray and never give up. There was a judge in a certain city he said, who never, neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while. But finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or, or care about people. But this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will you keep putting them off? 
I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? September the 3rd, 2015 is, is one of those days that I will never forget. My daughter Mary and her husband Brian had just moved to a new city. They had started work at a new church. They had given birth to a new baby girl. And they had bought a new house and they had moved into a new neighborhood. On that particular day, about two weeks after Asher was born, at around 11 o'clock at night, they noticed that Asher had stopped breathing. And they couldn't get her to start back breathing. They immediately called 911 and, and then they called us and they said, pray, Asher isn't breathing. We immediately, Sherry and I, fell to our knees, started praying and, and got in touch with everyone we could and asked them to pray as well. Well, at that time, Brian and Mary ran out into the street. They were crying for help, asking anyone who would listen to help them. Their next door neighbor who lived right next door, he was a fireman. But he was at work that night. His wife was a nurse. She was supposed to be at work that night. But she had worked the day shift instead and she was home. Mary went to the door and began ringing the doorbell, banging on the door, crying and pleading for help. As you can imagine, if someone comes and starts beating on your door at 11 o'clock at night and ladies, you're there by yourself, you're probably going to be a little timid. You're probably going to be a little unsettled about what to do. And so this lady called her husband, who was a fireman, who was at work. She said, someone is knocking at our door, ringing the bell. What should I do? At that time, the call came in for Asher. And her husband said, that's our neighbors. Their baby has stopped breathing. Go to the door and help. She immediately ran down the stairs, opened the door, grabbed Asher, and began doing CPR. This is Asher. She's our miracle baby. And she's Grammy's girl, aren't you? Are you Grammy's girl? You are, aren't you? <laughs> now, some would say that's coincidence. I would say... That's God's answer to prayer. Today we're going to be talking about prayer, and as we do, we're going to be looking at two stories that Jesus taught about prayer. One of them is about this man who goes and knocks on his neighbor's door after 12 o'clock at night asking for three loaves of bread. The other is about this widow who goes to an unjust judge asking for justice, and he refuses, but finally, after a while, he answers. Now, both of these stories and the scripture around them teach us some incredible truths about prayer and how we are to pray. Now, prayer is one of those things, I think you would agree with me, that we all do. Regardless of our spiritual background, we pray. Atheists even pray. When things go wrong, when we feel helpless, when we need divine help, we pray and we want others to pray. But when things are going okay, God and prayer are often the furthest thing from our mind. And yet, 
I am convinced that prayer is one of those spiritual disciplines, those spiritual habits or practices that is more important than anything else. The truth is, the truth is, real power that we seek, real change that we desire, real results that we desperately want can only come through prayer. That's why we as a church have designated a specific night, Wednesday night, where we come together as a body, all of our adults, to simply pray for needs in our church. You see, God has chosen to work in our lives through prayer. God is sovereign, and God can do anything He wants. But the truth of the matter is, there are some things that He will only do in response prayer and so what I want us to do is is take some time to walk through these verses and see what we can learn about prayer and there's really two things that teach a lot of different truths the first thing is Jesus prayed notice what it says in verse 1 is chapter 11 begins Jesus was in a certain place praying if you study the life of Jesus you will discover that prayer was Jesus' habit. Jesus' life was saturated with prayer from start to finish. When Jesus was being baptized by John and he launched his public ministry, he prayed. When Jesus was getting ready to face the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all the trials and tribulations that he would go through, he went into the wilderness for 40 days to pray and to fast. We read in the Bible that Jesus got up while it was still dark and got alone by himself to pray. We are told that Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness by himself to pray. When Jesus was, was choosing the 12 apostles, we are told that he went up on a mountain to pray and he spent the night in prayer. We are told that he left the crowds to pray. And we are told that, that Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his closest disciples, on the mountain to pray with him. Jesus told Peter that he had pleaded with, for him in prayer that his faith would not fall. When he was up on the Mount of Olives about to be betrayed by one of his own disciples, we are told that he prayed fervently. And when Jesus was on the cross dying for our sins, he prayed, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. Here's what I believe. If Jesus, the Son of God, who was one with the Father, saw the need to pray, then how much more do we need to pray? You see, you need to understand that we'll never see the power of God and we'll never experience the presence of God like we desire apart from prayer. Not individually, not as a family, not as a nation, not as a church. Jesus set the example. His life was saturated with prayer. So let me ask you a question. Is yours, is your life saturated with prayer? If not, let me ask you, why not? Now, I, I think there are really only two possible reasons. The first reason is a, a lack of discipline. 
we're just not disciplined enough. Just like we, we have a hard time exercising like we should, just like we have a hard time eating the right foods and eating the right amount of foods, we struggle with those things because of a lack of self-discipline. Sometimes we lack prayer because we don't have the discipline we need. I know that I struggle at times with self-discipline. I know there are things that I should do. I know there are things that I need to do that at times I don't do simply because I'm not disciplined like I should be. But I believe there's something else involved here. Something that in reality could be more important than our lack of discipline, and that is our lack of desperation. You see, we aren't desperate enough. We find ourselves only praying in emergency situations, kind of like calling 911. We feel like we can do it. We assume that if we work hard enough, plan smart enough, think long enough, we can figure it out and we can get it done. Someone said it's right there in our name. We're Americans, not Americans. We're a DIY people, a do-it-yourself people. But in reality, God says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And you sit back and you say, well, I'm doing things. Let me tell you, the things that you're doing, even the breath that you breathe, is a sovereign work of the grace of God. You can do nothing apart from Him. And the fact of the matter is, you will never see His power, you will never see His presence the way you desire, apart from prayer. Paul Miller said it this way, if you are not praying, then you are quietly confident that time, money, and talent are all you need in life. You will always be a little too tired, a little too busy to pray, but if like Jesus, you realize you can't do life on your own, then no matter how busy, no matter how tired you are, you will find the time. Now notice what it says as verse 1 continues. As Jesus finished praying, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. The disciples were watching Jesus' life and they realized the importance of prayer in Jesus' life. They, they saw the power of prayer that was flowing through his life and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Now that's interesting to me. Because nowhere in Scripture do we ever find the disciples saying, Lord, teach us to teach. You're an incredible teacher. They never did that. And never do you hear the disciples saying, Lord, teach us to heal. You, you seem to have this ability to heal people. Whoever you touch, they're healed. Teach us to do that. Lord, teach us to do miracles. You talk and the sea was calmed. You, you prayed over these loaves of bread and these fish and and a multitude was fed. Lord, teach us to do miracles. They didn't even say, Lord, teach us to cast out demons. But what they did pray is, Lord, teach us to pray. I want you to listen. Prayer is the most important spiritual discipline you can develop in your life. You need to get into God's Word every day and study it. You need to share your faith with other people on a regular, consistent basis. But apart from prayer, everything you do is in your power. 
And it will accomplish only what you can do. Jesus prayed. Secondly, Jesus told his disciples to pray. And he does it using two things. First of all, Jesus gave them a pattern, a model. We call it the Lord's Prayer, but it wasn't really the Lord's Prayer. It's not a prayer that Jesus gave us that we're to repeat over and over, though there's nothing wrong with that. Jesus gave us this prayer as a model, a pattern to follow, an outline to use. Jesus said, when you pray, this is how you should pray. And he begins with the word, Father. And you say, why is that a big deal? Well, people just didn't talk to God that way in Jesus' day. As a matter of fact, in John chapter 5, we are told that the Pharisees sought to kill Jesus because he called God his Father. You see, people didn't do this. And yet, here is Jesus telling us that when we pray, we should call God our Father. In Jesus' day, people just weren't personal and intimate with God. And, and yet, Jesus is saying, He's your Heavenly Father. Now, some of you are probably saying, Isn't Jesus the Father of everyone? And the answer is no. Jesus even told the Pharisees that you're of your father, the devil. The way, that, the way that God becomes our father is through being born again, being adopted into his family. It says this in John 1, 12, but as many as received Jesus, to those he gives the right to become the children of God, to those who believe on his name. So let me ask you a question. Do you know God in a personal, intimate way? Is he your heavenly father? Have you entered into a relationship with his son? Because understand, your prayers are going to be useless unless you have an intimate, personal relationship with God. You say, well, I don't have that kind of relationship with God, and God has answered my prayers. Have you ever stopped to consider that maybe it was someone else's prayer God was answering? You have to have a personal relationship with God. Notice the next thing he said. He said, holy is your name. That's praise. We praise God for who he is. We praise God for what he has done. David told us to enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. We recognize that he is God and we are not. We are intimate with him and yet we honor him. There is this personal relationship, but there is also a respectful relationship then he says may your kingdom come Matthew's gospel and and some of the older manuscripts have in this in Luke's gospel may your kingdom come may your will be done now the phrase may your kingdom come without may your will be done is describing submission Jesus said when you pray it's not about getting your will done it's not about getting your kingdom built it's about God's will it's about God's kingdom you see prayer is about surrendering my will to God's will years ago I read a book that literally changed my focus on prayer it was by a lady by the name of Evelyn Christensen and the name of the book was Lord change me and her whole premise was prayer is not about trying to change God's mind as much as it is getting God to change your mind. Even Jesus prayed, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And, and then Jesus said, we pray this, give us each day our 
the food we need. And then he went on and said, don't let us yield to temptation. That's asking God to meet our needs. Our physical needs, our spiritual needs, and, and everything in between. Nothing is too big to ask God for. Nothing is too small to ask God for. The Bible makes it clear that we can go to God about anything and everything. And then finally, Jesus said, you need to pray, forgive our sins. That's confession. Now, when I pray, I do this using an acrostic, P-A-P-R-A-Y. The P is praise. I enter God's gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. I praise God. The R is repent. That's confession. I ask God to search me and show me my sins. I repent of those sins. I confess them and I repent of them. The A is ask. I ask God to meet needs. I start with my immediate family. I go to my extended family. Then I pray for our staff. Then I pray for our church. And then I pray for people outside our church and nation. You say, Rocky, doesn't that take a while? Yes. Sometimes when I'm praying, I'll have a meeting and, and the meeting is before I can finish praying and, and I have to say, God, I, I'm going to come back in a little bit and I'm going to keep on praying because didn't the Bible say that we should pray without ceasing? We should always be in a spirit of prayer. We should always be praying to God. So P-R-A-Y, every day you need to go to your personal father interceding asking God to meet your needs so Jesus gives us a pattern and then in the story he gives us some principles so here's this guy who has a friend arrive at his house at midnight evidently he's unprepared he didn't know he was coming and when he comes he has nothing to feed him and you need to understand the culture Middle Eastern culture hospitality is a big deal when someone comes in from a vi or to visit when someone comes in from a trip to your house you put the spread out it's amazing every country I've been in that is influenced by the Middle East which would be the Middle East Central Asia India all of those countries like that where they have this culture you go into their home and regardless of how poor they are they want to feed you they want to put a spread out that's just what they did so think through that here's this man his friend comes at midnight and he goes well I don't have any food Go to the neighbor and let's get some because it would be a terrible thing not to feed him. And so they go to the neighbor's house and the neighbor says, what are you doing knocking on my door? It's after midnight. Now to understand the culture, understand the history. This was before electricity. This was before the internet. This was before TV. This was before late nights. They were asleep. They had most likely been asleep for four hours. I mean, they were in deep sleep. When this man starts banging on the door, hey, 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 what is it? Had a neighbor, a friend coming. I don't have any bread. Will you give me three loaves of bread so I can feed him? Go away. It's midnight, and everybody's asleep. You need to understand it. It wasn't like in our day where you have two, three, four bedrooms. I mean, everybody slept in the same room. And so for this man to, to go and get bread, he's having to wake up everybody to do it. 
And if you've got small kids, you know when they wake up in the middle of the night, they don't go back to sleep. I mean, and you're sitting there going, okay, go to sleep. And so he said, leave us alone. But the Bible says because of the man's shameless persistence, not because he's a friend, but because of your shameless persistence, he's going to come and answer the door and give you what you asked for. And then he tells the other story, the story about this, this judge who is, who is an unjust judge who, 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 um, who doesn't want to give this request that this widow asked for, but because she keeps on coming, she's driving him crazy. He finally says, goodness gracious, just to have some peace of mind, I'm going to give her what she's asking for so she'll leave me alone. None understand. Jesus in this story is saying that God is represented by the neighbor. He is represented by the unjust judge. But you don't need to look at Jesus or God as an unjust judge. You don't need to look at God as a neighbor who doesn't want to give us what we ask for because, because Jesus said, no, our, our God is a loving Father who, who is ready and willing and desiring to give us good gifts. God wants to do these things for us. What he is telling us is we have to have the persistence and the boldness that this, that this man had, that this woman had. And so in these stories, there are three truths that I want to quickly point out to you. The first one is this. If you want God to answer your prayers, you approach him boldly. Now notice I didn't say arrogantly, I didn't say demanding, I didn't say full of pride. I said boldly. The author of Hebrews says, let's come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Later on, he says, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. Now let's go back to this relationship thing. In my life, the people who naturally approach me boldly are my kids and my grandkids. It's amazing how shameless my kids can be asking me for things. I mean, they, they're not afraid to ask. And my grandkids. We've been keeping two of our grandkids because my daughter had a, a meeting out of town this weekend. And, and so my grandkids, when they're at Grammy and Poppy's house, we all sleep in one bed. The grandkids have fun. We don't sleep too much. And, and what's crazy is in the middle of the night, I don't know if it's like this with you, but in the middle of the night, kids wake up and they say, Poppy, 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 huh, huh, yeah, yeah, what you, what you need, Noah? I'm thirsty. Okay, and you go and you get them water. Why? Because they're your kids, they're your grandkids, they're family. Now, if Sherry asked get me some water, I'd say, is anything wrong with your feet? No, I wouldn't do that. I, no, I, you, I wouldn't do that, men. Don't, don't try that. It won't turn out good. The, the point is, the point is we approach boldly because we have a relationship with and we know that our Heavenly Father loves us. Next, he says, we're to approach God persistently. Chapter 11, verse 8 says, shameless persistence. Chapter 18, the story begins this way. They should always pray and never give up. Now, if you have kids, you know what I'm talking about. Their strategy is to wear you out by continually asking. Amen? I mean, that's just how they are. 
I mean, they wear you out. Asher, that was on stage with me. I mean, we pray for her more than any of our other kids, grandkids. She's strong-willed. We'll be somewhere, she'll want something, and we'll say, no, Asher. And she will say, but, and she will begin to tell us why we need to do it. And we will say, well, Asher, no, we're not doing that. But, and she will come up. I don't know how she learned that, but she's learned it. That's how kids are with their parents, right? They continually ask and ask and ask until, let's be honest, you don't, don't give me this I'm a good parent thing. Let's be honest, we finally are so tired, okay, we'll get ice cream. I'll get you that Barbie. I'll buy you that car. <laughs> Leave me alone. Give me some peace of mind. Be persistent. And that's what Jesus said. He said, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. Don't stop. Now, there are times when we pray and pray and pray and we don't get an answer. And, and we have to trust even when we don't receive. But I want you to listen. I believe with all my heart, the number one reason we do not receive is because we're not persistent in our prayers. So why does God ask us to be persistent? Why does he tell us? When the Bible says God knows what we need before we ever ask it, why does God tell us to ask and not only ask, but ask until it's shameless in our persistence? Why does he tell us to do that? Well, maybe, just maybe, and I don't have the complete answer, but maybe, just maybe, God is really trying to see how serious we are about our request, how much we really want what we're asking for. Are we going to keep on praying or are we going to give up? Because it's not really that important to us. Here, here's what I've discovered. If something is really important, really, really, really important, we're going to ask and ask and ask. George Mueller is one of my prayer heroes and he tells a story about committing to pray for the salvation of five young men every single day he prayed for 18 months before the first one was converted and this is what he says in his journal I thanked God and pressed on he prayed every single day for five more years before the second was converted after the second one was converted he prayed for six more years before the third one was converted 36 years later, he wrote this in his journal. I want you to listen to it. 36 years later, two were still not converted. And he said, but I hope in God. I pray on. I look for the answer. They are not converted yet, but they will be. And they were. 52 years after he stopped praying, started praying. Every day, he prayed. For 52 years, never giving up. You have a son, you have a daughter, you have a father, you have a friend who is not a believer. You pray and you don't give up. Finally, these stories teach us to approach God with faith. This is seen throughout these stories, but in chapter 18, Jesus finishes his story by saying, When the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? Now understand, faith is not so much trusting God for eternity as it is trusting God every day. 
And I'm convinced that it takes much more faith when we pray and we pray and we pray and we do not see the answers we're asking for than it does to pray and immediately see the answers. Jesus said, I wonder when the Son of Man comes back, how many people on earth are really going to be people who are living by faith? So how is your prayer life? What are you praying for? Who are you praying for? Do you need prayer? This morning we're going we're to focus our altar time on praying. Praying for needs. Praying for people that need to be healed. Praying for people that need a miracle. Praying for people that need deliverance. Praying for people who are lost that they'll need to be saved. And as we do, we're going to have pastors down front who will be more than happy to pray for anyone. But whether you come and have a pastor pray with you or whether you just come to the altar and pray, start today by coming to this altar making it a habit to pray every day. Now listen, remember, for our prayers to be effective and powerful, they have to flow from a relationship. God has to be our Father, and the only way He can be our Father is through a relationship with His Son. And so I would ask you, do you have that relationship? Has it changed your life? Has it made a difference in the way you're living Does it make a difference in the way you're looking at life, the way you're walking through life? Because I'm telling you, Jesus does. And so if you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus as the one who opens the door for you to have a relationship with the Father, then I want to give you that opportunity this morning. And then we're going to open up our altar time and we're going to pray. So I want you to bow your head with me and close your eyes. And with your head bowed and with your eyes closed, if you're here and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, then I want to encourage you here and now in this moment to give your life to him by praying this prayer. Dear God, I humbly come to you this morning knowing that I am a sinner. I've disobeyed you. I've rebelled against you. I've sinned. Forgive me. I don't want to live in rebellion anymore. I'm giving my life to you. I'm asking you to save me by what you did on the cross. I'm asking you to save me by your resurrection power. Come into my life. Change me. Make me new. From this moment on, Jesus, I'm yours. I'm yours. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Thank you for saving me.